Welcome to the Cap Gemini America's Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. My name is Janet Pope, and I'm the Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility for the U.S., Canada, and Latin America. I look forward to engaging with each of you on diversity, digital inclusion, and sustainability challenges and initiatives. Let's get the future we want together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cap Gemini Women in Digital podcast. This podcast is led by women at Cap Gemini Employee Resource Group, whose mission is to cultivate and sustain a culture where women can thrive at Cap Gemini. The Women in Digital podcast is an informative, enlightening, entertaining, and open forum intended to challenge the norm and embrace women as leaders. It offers a chance to connect with our audience, build valuable connections, and explore meaningful topics that affect women. I'm Christine Stack. I am the head of human resources for CIS Americas, and I'm excited to introduce our guest, Cap Gemini's own Alicia Wagner. Alicia is my colleague, a senior director of engagement management in cloud infrastructure services. And today she'll be sharing her thoughts on hiring from non-traditional pathways and mentoring in the tech sector. We hope you enjoy this chat and learn from it, and that most of all, it inspires you to get the future you want. Alicia, welcome, and thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to meet you and to have this discussion. I know, so am I. So we'll just jump right into it. Um, tell us about yourself and your role here at Capgemini. Yeah, sure thing. As you had already mentioned, I am an engagement director here in North America, specifically in our cyber managed services organization. I'm currently splitting my time between mentoring my team to help them achieve their KPIs on their programs or engagements. And then the other half of my time, I'm working on a program called CSL Bearing. It's a really large program, and um, I'm helping the delivery executive, the CIS delivery executive specifically, by tackling some of the escalations that arise, helping enable him to focus on the bigger picture, the strategic objectives, and the customer. Outstanding. And thank you, because the delivery world is for sure a necessary and challenging and complex world. And so I applaud you, as I'm sure we all do, for what you do on a daily basis. We discussed the challenges of hiring in this sector, not only delivery, but obviously the entire cloud sector, tech sector. So tell our audience a little bit more about that. I know that there were a couple of things we touched on, but um, I'd love for you to elaborate. Yeah, absolutely. So cybersecurity is a growing area. So we're all aware of that. The thing about cybersecurity, though, is that it is, I would say, relatively new in that there aren't a lot of people with significant cyber backgrounds. So there's a very limited pool of candidates with the cybersecurity experience that are being fought over by all the companies. So the other thing about this smaller pool is that there's a lot of niche skills that are required here in cybersecurity. And that further stretches or limits, depending on how you look at it, that smaller pool of candidates to fill all of the roles in the industry. Very, very challenging, for sure. I also, I will say, coming you know, from an HR and recruitment background, kind of exciting because to me, that's, that's a blank slate, right? If you're not really sure 
you have anyone with that pedigree, that specific expertise, that leaves the role and the opportunities open to a lot of interpretation. And it's probably a good time to shift to one of our topics at hand. Um, And you and I had talked about this as well. There was an article published on LinkedIn on June 6th of this year by Stacey Donovan Zappar entitled, why skills first hiring is key to your talent planning and how to get started. So I love this move to a skills first approach, and it kind of lends in well to what you had just told us, this movement away from hiring for pedigree. And and what she had written was recognize that this hyper-focusing on pedigree, so former employers, college degrees, years of experience, et cetera, is passe and exclusionary and leads to homogeneous teams that aren't inclusive and will be outperformed by more diverse teams. So focusing on skills, relevant experience, past performance, rather than automatically defaulting to less reliable criteria like former employers and college degrees will result in better hires. So like I said, and we'll come back to it, but I I think that it really leaves us a lot of opportunity to hire from different sectors because you don't have people that have done this in the past. So focusing on that skills first approach is probably, um, you know, a really advantageous strategy. Along those lines, you've helped establish a really compelling addition to expanding our talent pool in this respect. So let's start first things first. Tell us what is the Tech Transformation Academy? Absolutely. So the Tech Transformation Academy is a say a school, you could say, as part of the City of Refuge. So first, the City of Refuge is an organization in Atlanta that helps people transition out of crisis. A crisis could be poverty, it could be health-related, or it could be lack of job opportunities. So you can see here, this definition is very wide. And the Tech Transformation Academy very specifically looks at the lack of job opportunity. So they provide skills that enable students to seek opportunities in the IT market space. And as Capgemini, what we really focus on is their cybersecurity cohort. So the Tech Transformation Academy has a grant and they have hired Carolina Cyber Academy to come in and teach a very intensive learning track where the students come out of this with a base of cyber skills. And they're also able to utilize that base to go for certifications such as CompTIA Security Plus, Network Plus or IT Fundamentals. Each of these certifications then basically tells industry that they are bringing in this core set of skills into the marketplace. So cool. So inspiring. And even better yet, amazing to know that we have a connection there. So tell our audience about how you slash we have partnered with them. Absolutely. So we've actually formed a partnership between the City of Refuge, Tech Transformation Academy, and Cox Enterprises. So Cox Enterprises is a company based in Atlanta. Many people know Cox Communications because they may get their internet services from them, for example. 
The Cox Enterprises actually is the branch of the company that serves the Cox family, and the Cox family is very much involved in their community. So together, we have looked at hiring graduates as Capgemini employees and putting them onto contracts with Cox. So we're expanding our overall talent pool, but we're also enabling our Cox clients to achieve some of the projects that they've had outstanding in their various programs. So amazing. I love this so much. Um, I did the first time I heard it and it never gets old. What's been the most significant impact for Capgemini and our clients and Cox? You know, I think for Cox, it's really that threefold. I mean, it comes back to that overall challenge in the cyber industry that we talked about at the very beginning and that Mm -hmm. the talent pool is just very limited. And by what I would say, reaching out through a non-traditional hiring approach, we've expanded that pool. Yeah. So it helps them to fill those entry-level positions and expanding their talent, um, but also helps them to have that give back to the community, which is very important to the core set of values. And then also while filling those entry-level roles, they're um, also freeing up the senior leadership so that they can focus more on strategic initiatives and developing new programs. So that is definitely one significant benefit. I think another benefit is the increase in diversity that they are getting, and I would also say that Capgemini is getting. You know, bringing in talent with different backgrounds and different job experiences really helps us to challenge that status quo It helps to bring in new ideas. So that influx of diversity, I think, is a very important um, note. And then lastly, you know, one of the most interesting things I've heard from Cox, maybe something that wasn't apparent to me, uh, but would be apparent to Cox internally, is that this is really teaching them on how to share their workload. It's driving them to create repeatable processes and that they've been a very successful organization with a lot of very senior people focused on each of their different areas. But this change really is helping them to prepare for growth as a company and then also as an organization by learning how to train others to come and backfill them and then also to help create those repeatable processes and to set them up for success going forward. So what you're telling us, everybody's listening, right? What you're telling us is non-traditional hiring can work is what I'm hearing. And it can work really, really well. I, Alicia, I applaud you. I applaud your colleagues. I applaud Cox for just engaging and partnering in this way and providing everyone with this information. This is a best case. Maybe it won't work right in in every situation, in every role, but this is a best case study and scenario of how non-traditional hiring can benefit on so many different levels. Um, I absolutely love it. Now, I want to be fair, right? We want to be objective here. What are the biggest challenges in this case? So what are the biggest challenges? What have they been and, and what did you learn from them through this process? Just sorry, one other quick note, because I I can't let this go by, is that, you know, kind of coming back to that whole concept of hiring for skill sets, as I mentioned, that everyone Mm -hmm. coming in has this very strong base cybersecurity skill set. But the other thing that they're bringing is passion and drive. Yes. And I think that that is something else that we also have to look at for hiring, because just because they have the skill set, but they also have to have that push behind them to want to grow and further develop and help the company move forward in their goals. 
True, true. But as you said, there are always challenges, right? And um, and it's not just in this specific scenario. But I think that one of the interesting parts for me personally that I've learned in this is that we as a company, as Capgemini, we're not really set up for hiring entry-level employees or, you know, our work environment as consultants. It's very fast paced and we have a lot of unspoken expectations. And so when we often go to hire, we hire people who are more senior, who can jump in and get going right away. Right. There's also a lot of the, as I mentioned, unspoken expectations of skill sets and things that we expect our hirees to have that maybe somebody right out of school does not. Mm-hmm. And it may require just an additional level of support. You know, one of the examples when I talk to some of the graduates is that here long time ago, say years ago, <laughs> we won't say how many decades ago, you would have put <laughs> on your resume, hey, I'm, I'm proficient in these various Microsoft products. Today, nobody looks to write that on their resume because it's an unspoken expectation that when you come into this work environment, you're going to know how to use Outlook. You're going to know how to create a meeting. You're going to know how to use Excel. When people are coming right out of college or right out of these training programs that are focused on, say, cybersecurity skill set, they may not have the same level of proficiency that we expect them to already have. Nobody's going to comment if you do it right, but they're going to notice if you don't have it. And that's that unspoken expectation. Yeah, we listen, I think that any organization um, definitely has some work to do. There are so many different components from an HR perspective that are required to ensure that something, a program such as this, especially as you're doing it, you know, you're bringing it to scale, can work. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, multiple levers, learning and development. It has to do with manager training. It has to do with the structure and the environment and even the KPIs and how you set up performance management. So, there's a lot of work that can be done, but clearly, you know, in tapping into individuals like yourself who have been through this, it can be done and it can be done in a very rewarding way on numerous levels. So the other thing that I know um, has come out of this and uh, and we'll go to the, the second topic of our time together is really just the importance and the impact of mentoring In general, but especially in a case like this. So, you know, this is something obviously, uh, you know, I'm in the Mentoring Matters ERG, and this is something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. So can you elaborate on the importance and, and impact of mentoring? Yeah, I would say that mentoring really is the key that has helped us with the challenge that we just described about helping uh, graduates come into the work environment and then to be successful. And the mentoring has to be both, I would say, personal and professional. It has to be that safe zone where people can come in and be able to unload of this is what's going on and I don't know what to do. And to know it's that safe zone that they're not being judged, but they are being listened to and being helped. And so there is the personal of how do I answer certain emails? How, how do I handle tough situations? What happens if my client asks me to do something tomorrow and I'm supposed to be off? How do I respond versus the professional of, you know, from the very basic skill sets of, you know, I have been asked to go and deploy a firewall. I don't know this type of firewall. I know a different type of firewall. 
what steps do we take and how do we how do we prepare myself to be ready to take on this challenge? So you have to have both sides of the coin, I think, um, in order to enable their success. Yeah, fair. And I agree with you. I think that it is, uh, you know, we talk about work-life balance not being work-life balance, it's integration. But in this case, that needs to be balanced um, and it needs to be balanced really, really well. Um, if others listening wanted to get involved, I don't know whether it be mentoring, whether it be with the City of Refuge, Tech Transformation Academy, anything along those lines. What's your advice for best going about this? With City of Refuge based in Atlanta, there's a couple different avenues that you can get involved. So first is that City of Refuge has monthly get togethers where companies in the area will send various employees just to integrate with the students. It gives the students an opportunity to ask questions about the fields that they're interested in, the companies that they're interested in, but also enables them to get more comfortable in chatting with various people and the whole concept of networking. Mm-hmm. And Cap Gemini has a couple of individuals who go, but we could always use more people people to participate in those events and act as a mentor. Other events are just expanding on the mentoring in that every time we hire someone, I do assign that personal or professional mentor. And so I'm always looking for more people to reach out, people who want to have a very active relationship with these graduates and to help them be successful and help to provide best practices and help them to grow as an individual. So those would be two solid ways to help participate. Solid for sure. Absolutely. And again, I applaud you and your colleagues for everything that you have done, um, not just in your day job, but everything beyond that in this space. So I'd love to ask you a a personal question, if you don't mind. Um, If you could go back to the first day of your career and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? If I could go back into my career, is that I would tell myself, Don't just look up, but look sideways. And what I mean is, for me, and I know many others, is that we've been taught that success is measured by the raises that we get and the promotions that we achieve. And at this point in my career, I would have said also that success to me is also looking at all the skills that I've achieved. It's much easier to take a break and to learn those skills as you're growing Because when you get to certain levels, it could create significant job change, I would say, to have to go back. Like, why is someone going to teach, I don't know, uh, security analysis to a director when, you know, they could pay someone three levels below to learn the same thing? So the opportunities to grow from a skill set, I would say, in that sense, are fewer the higher you grow. And then the other thing is, is that I think it's better to learn the skills and not just check the box, but to try them in different environments and to see does one size fit all or how do I take those skills and morph them into fit in these various scenarios, different clients, different markets, and how do I be successful with those skill sets in different ways? Yeah, I, um, you know, you and I had had talked about this offline as well. And it goes back to that quote about the skills first hiring. 
For those of you, if you haven't heard about it, there is this concept of, you know, the ladder versus the lattice type of approach to a career. And I think that, you know, there are certain individuals or even generations, um, mine included, where, you know, you came into the workforce and you were told, well, you have to climb a ladder. That's really the only direction you can go. And it's it's a lot of fun, right? I won't. I All right, I will. It's get the future you want, right? And yeah. and if if you don't spread your wings, if you don't, if you're not curious, if you don't ask, well, what about that? Or what about this? Or I want to try that. I do think that having those skills just makes an individual stronger. And you know what, Ian Alicia, I'm going to go back to your original point, um, which was a really, really great one about the passion and the drive. Now, I think you can have that both in moving up a ladder versus moving across a lattice, just where your interest is really, truly going to lie at that stage. And as long as you have that foundation of passion and drive for whatever you're doing in whatever direction you're going, you're going to succeed. You're going to achieve. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, I also tell people who are in cybersecurity that you really have to have that passion because our cybersecurity landscape is changing every day. Yes. And if you don't have the passion, you're not going to have the drive to go out and keep up with all the latest threats in this changing environment. And if you don't keep up with them, the technology world is going to pass you by. So you've got Mm -hmm. to have that drive and that passion so that you can stay at the top of your field. Right. And further to that, that's not something that can be taught. You can't go on next and take a course on how can I be more passionate, (laughs) you know, but mentoring, interestingly enough, does help with that. Because if you have a mentor and you can sit down and you can really dig deep and get to know someone and understand their skills and what their drivers are, you might just be able to point them in a direction that they didn't think they'd go and that they'd be passionate about. So so there, we'll pull it all together with our, our hiring from non-traditional pathways and, and our mentoring. So um, Alicia, is there anything that you wish I had asked you? I don't think that there's anything that I, I wish you had asked me. I guess if I was to say one thing that I wish anybody would take away, though, is that sometimes thinking out of the box pays off. And that's where we are here today. And yeah. that thought outside of the box, reached out through non-traditional hiring, and it's paid off in dividends. And I encourage others who want to establish the same type of relationship, whether it's with the City of Refuge or other organizations in their hometowns, to set the program up for success with a partner with a client. And both Capgemini and the client will reap the benefits. Couldn't have wrapped it up better than that. Alicia, I so appreciate the time you've spent with all of us. These reflections that you've shared on your career journey, on your journey with Capgemini and what you've done with City of Refuge, all of your insights here on mentoring and hiring are invaluable. And I, for one, have learned so much from you. I know that our audience has too. And to all of you out there, thank you for your time as well. We will come back with new guests and compelling conversations over the next months. If there are topics or speakers that are meaningful to you, let us know. We value your feedback as well as your support. So please keep listening, keep engaging, keep getting the future you want. And again, Alicia, thank you. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to speaking with more people on these topics in the future. 
looks like we've come to the end of another America's Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. Again, I'm Janet Pope, and on behalf of the entire America's Corporate Social Responsibility team, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you have a topic that you'd like for us to cover related to diversity, digital inclusion, or sustainability, please comment in the podcast channel. We'd love to hear from you.